Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for for listening, for tuning in today. Um, this is Nurse Choma with All Things Nursing with Nurse Choma. And today we're going to be talking about the vaccine, <laughs> right? We're going to talk about whether or not you should actually get um, the COVID-19 vaccine. I'm going to share my opinion I'm sure. Actually, let me say like this. I'm gonna share more facts than my opinion, and then I'll share some also personal experience with vaccines in general. Uh, And hopefully, what I hope to do through listening to this is that this will hopefully eradicate some um, beliefs that you may have concerning the vaccine. Um, some preconceived notions, some um, myths or misdemeanors, like, or maybe that's not the right word, but really though, this is going to hopefully change your perspective about the vaccine and whether or not you should really take it and how you should respond uh, to getting the vaccine. So let's kind of like just go straight into the message um, today. So first, let's talk about, before we talk about the vaccine itself, I want to talk about how your body normally fights any type of illness okay and this is this is why um you know this is why we see like a lot of people a lot of people don't get me wrong a lot of people have died from COVID-19 right but also a lot of people have been infected and recovered so the amount of people that have tested positive for COVID-19 and died um is very it's a very huge gap uh, although, like I said, it's a lot of people. Like I believe it's almost three hundred thousand deaths now, but over a million people that were positive. So, what's the difference between you know that person that's positive versus like um, that recovered? Well, a lot of times it's honestly just the way that the person's body is already built and the their immune system, right? So, the, your immune system makes a huge role as far as like how somebody survives or doesn't survive from the vaccine or from the I'm sorry, from any type of illness. So how does your body normally fight illness? So the, so first, oh, let me first um, give like a, an important uh, disclaimer as far as like where this information that I'm going to be sharing with you today from. So this is from the cdc.gov, okay? Like this is not random stuff. If you go to the cdc.gov website, you're going to hear pretty much the same thing I'm telling you right now. So this is legitimate information. So there, so when you when somebody gets sick, whether they get sick from a virus or a bacteria, um, which are two different things, by the way, there there's three specific types of white blood cells that the body releases to fight the infection. So we have we have macrophages, B lymphocytes, and then T lymphocytes. Okay, macrophages. B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes. So let me go over what each of them are. So your macrophages, these are, and this will help you to understand, especially what you guys may be doing on the natural side to help fight your, you know, infection. So macrophages, these are white blood cells that swallow up and digest germs and dead or dying cells. So these are what I would call your swallowers or whatever. <laughs> like they literally take whatever that whatever that thing is that the body that's unwanted in the body and it literally just like digests it and so what what macrophages do however though is that it leaves behind parts of the germs or the antigens 
So think about, for example, eating a piece of bread and eating the, like trying to eat the whole bread, but leaving crumbs. That's what your macrophages do. Okay. Like, in fact, this is, this sounds kind of silly, but you can, you can just start telling people like my macrophages are on point. Okay. (laughs) I know I'm silly, but yeah. So pretty much that's what macrophages do. So the body will identify antigens, which are pretty much some type of unwanted, um, thing that attacks your body that's dangerous and then it will stimulate antibodies to attack them so if you have a weak immune system you know you the body may not recognize the antigens fast enough or recognize that it's there and will not release the appropriate antibodies in order to fight the infection then you have that's the first one that's your macrophages the second one is your b lymphocytes So your B lymphocytes, these are defensive white blood cells. So pretty much these ones, they produce antibodies that will attack the pieces of the virus left behind by the macrophages, okay? So pretty much whatever whatever the macrophages didn't capture, your B lymphocytes, they're gonna go in there and they're gonna grab up the remaining pieces, all right? So that's what your B lymphocytes do. And then you have your T lymphocytes, okay? So T lymphocytes, and this is honestly, um, the T cells is one thing that we really uh, monitor more closely with patients that have HIV, for example, but that's another case. So, but your T lymphocytes, this is another type of defensive white blood cell. And what these do is that they attack cells in the body that have already been affected, all right? They attack cells in the body that have already been uh, infected. So while the macrophages and the B lymphocytes are destroying the actual particle or antigens and releasing antibodies, your T lymphocyte is attacking the cells that's been affected. So that's how your body fights illness in general, okay? That's what your WBCs are for. So when somebody is sick, typically their WBC count is going to be elevated because the body has to release more in order to fight off that infection. If somebody has a very poor immune system, like for example, if they have cancer and their WBC levels are less than normal, so the normal is 4 to 10. So if it's less than than normal, below 4, then we're very concerned because if they get exposed to, to like, you know, something very small, like, you know, plants, fresh vegetables, they have a very high risk of getting sick and dying. So that's essentially what the WCs do. That's what your body is doing when you get sick in general. Okay, so what I'm doing, I'm just laying a foundation. So now, so that's how your body fights illnesses. So what is a vaccine? So let's talk about what is a vaccine in general? Like what is that actually, like what is it in general? So here's the thing. So a vaccine, so pretty much what, we, what a vaccine is, it's taking a dead strain of a virus and it's injecting it to, into your body in order to force your body to produce the antibodies against it. Okay, so it's taking a, a passive strain, right? It's taking a passive strain. So it's taking, and this is something, this is what we call in nursing or in healthcare, we call this acquired immunity. Acquired, so that you have acquired immunity and you have passive immunity. Acquired immunity is when you get a vaccine. So pretty much you're, ta- you're acquiring immunity 
by receiving a shot that will force your body to, to boost antibodies to, to improve the immune system. Versus passive immunity, that's typically through like um, breastfeeding or through the placenta, you know? So that's essentially what it is in a, in a nutshell when it comes to like acquired immunity. So yeah, so, so that's what the vaccine is doing is that it's taking not the active, right? Because the active strain, that's why people are dying, all right? It's taking a, the dead inactive strain of the virus and then it's in pretty much, um, I'm just giving you the simplified definition of it. And then it's, that's going to force your body to create antibodies. All right. And this is going to explain why some people may experience s- symptoms afterwards. Um, but most people don't die from a vaccine. Uh, now, most, now I'm, I can't speak on this current vaccine because it's brand new. And I'll talk about it in a little bit, you know, if we should really trust it or not. But um, vaccines don't usually always trigger death. Now, uh, now there are, in rare cases, just in general vaccinations, it can trigger um, autoimmune diseases, such as Guillain-Barre syndrome, in very rare cases. Another thing, too, I want to mention is that, remember, it's giving you the dead strain. So that's why with the flu vaccine, that's why every year we have to change the... Um, Vax, the flu vaccine because we have to make sure that the, the, the strain that, that they create is relevant to whatever is whatever influenza is being released. That's why they have to modify the vaccine every year. So this so, poss- so very, it's very possible with the COVID-19 vaccine it's going to co- constantly um, you know change. So that's what a vaccine is. So what, so here's what, how it essentially works. The body keeps a few of the T lymphocytes, right? The T lymphocytes, these are called your, the memory cells. That's another name for it. And they go into action quickly if the body encounters the same virus again. So somebody, so, so think of it kind of like this way. You know how, okay, people ask, can somebody get uh, COVID twice? Well, can somebody get the flu twice? Right? It's not the same thing, but if they got it before and they recovered, Typically, the body still has these memory cells to fight it off again, right? So I'm just talking about in general, though. And when the familiar antigens are detected, then they will release those B lymphocytes to begin to produce the antibodies to attack them, all right? That's essentially what is happening um, when they are exposed to the virus again. So, so here's the thing I really want to really hit home to those of you that are debating about getting the vaccine, I really want you to listen to listen to this part that's very important. So once again, the, the process that's happening is that they are injecting a dead strain, not the active strain, a dead passive strain into the body and that triggers somebody to begin to produce antibodies so they can fight off um, the, 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 vac- the virus in, in the event they get exposed to it. Now, here's the thing that, that was surprising that really... Um, made me learn something brand new this vaccine it typically takes a few weeks for the body to produce t lymphocytes and b lymphocytes after the vaccination so what that means is that let's say for example you go and get the vaccine today right you get the vaccine today 
And then in two weeks, you, you're like, oh, yeah, I got the vaccine. I'm good. I don't even, I'm like not going to get exposed. <laughs> even if I do, I'm going to be good. And so you start going out and you start partying or whatever. And then you come into contact with somebody who has COVID-19. And then all of a sudden that person gets sick and they die. Did the vaccine not work? No, it did work. It's just the fact that it takes about three, like I said, about three weeks before it actually, for the, for the body to actually gain enough time to produce those antibodies in order to warrant the infection. So if you're going to get the vaccine, um, you need to plan to still, I mean, either way you should be, but you need to anticipate that for the next three weeks to still reduce your risk as much as possible. All right, because it because that's how long it takes um, for somebody for the body to produce those B cells and those T cells. Okay, so they can so you can still get sick. You can still get sick. Somebody can still die right after getting the vaccine because they didn't give their body enough time to produce um, the the T cells and the B cells. Okay, so that's how quickly that it works. It takes about three weeks before you see any difference before the body actually does something. Now, however, though some people. Not everybody, but a lot of people, after you get vaccinated, maybe like within the first few days um, or, or longer, you may, be, you may experience a fever, okay? Don't freak out, though, all right? You may experience a fever. You may have some symptoms, which is normal because, once again, what's actually happening is that the body is now responding to the... Um, it's now responding, it's, it's now, it's triggering the body to start building immunity, to start releasing these antibodies, so that way it can fight the infection, if you get exposed to it. So, you, so just be aware of that it's normal if you, begin, if you have those symptoms afterwards. And, I, and yes, I would recommend, absolutely, if you are a high-risk group, like if you have pre-existing disorders, you're, you're older, old, you're over uh, 40 or 50, um, you have, you know, certain types of illnesses that puts you at risk. And of course, yes, we know that there's people that are still dying without that. But if you are an at-risk group, I would, I do believe you should get the vaccine. I believe you're, you're safer. Now, I'm just giving you my personal opinion. I'll tell you, I'll give you different facts why. But I believe if you're a high-risk group because of the rate of the infection, I believe it's safer if you get the vaccine than if you don't. Right, so I'm just giving you my opinion, though. Okay, if you're high risk, you're generally not that healthy. You have um, pre-existing conditions. I think you should get it. Typically, the way the flu vaccine is, the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine is usually always recommended for this group of people: um, young children, all right, and elderly and at-risk population, because they typically have a weaker immune system. So they need the vaccine in order to stimulate antibiotics to strengthen their body to fight the infection. You see that? So that's why. So if you have, if you're generally healthy, you can probably get away without getting the vaccine. Now, here's something that, because I was talking about this with somebody, and they were saying, and people are putting different things on social media and saying like, um, you know, no, I'm not getting this. Like it came out too fast, so it's not trustworthy. Right. And, and I get it. I, t- I totally get that. And but the people that saying that are people that are not nurses, not doctors, not scientists. 
So let's so let me just kind of hopefully kind of shatter that belief that you may have as far as because of how quickly the vaccine came out. So here's I did some research uh, about the Spanish flu. All right. So now the Spanish flu is very similar to as far as the spread, um, the death rate, um, you know, like you know, as far as like what happened, everything very similar to what we're seeing now in with uh, COVID COVID nineteen. The Spanish flu occurred around 1918, 1919, around that time period, and I believe it killed over 20 million people. So a lot more people. Now you have to remember too that during that time period, they didn't have social media, right? They didn't have technology to the advance that we have it now, uh, where we can like spread the message as quickly, where you can get that text message on your phone that tells you to stay home. <laughs> right where you can get where you can get notifications telling you to sit down and stop traveling etc even though people are not listening so you have to keep that in mind as far as like that time period for that year so that so that the spanish flu lasted for about two years right so ooh, so yeah so that's kind of scary right so now was there a vaccine though that was developed for the Spanish flu. Yes, there was. And you're probably going to think that this kind of further proves your point. Um, and this is according to clinical psychology. So a, a single vaccine for both types, A and B, was first developed in 1942, all right, to fight against the influenza vaccine. So it took about 30 years uh, before they came up with the vaccine. Now, remember, though, you still have to remember, though, if you understand science and you understand, like, detailed, not general stuff, then you understand why they had a longer time frame, okay? Because one, you, for one, you need the, cal- you need the caliber of people to uh, be able to do that research, to do that scientific data, right? So they probably, they didn't have the same amount of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Same amount of people who are who can do the research and do these clinical trials as fast as possible. Another thing, during that time, they didn't have the same equipment that we have now, right? So that's another reason why it took longer. They didn't have the same information that we have now about just sick, about healthcare period, right? They didn't have the same level of communication, technology, just a lot of things that contributed to the shortness of that time. So let me tell you something right now. It's 2020. It is 2020. We should be able to create a vaccine in under a year. We should be able to birth new technology in a short period of time because it's 2020. We, we shouldn't be still doing the same thing that we did last year or years ago. We should be advanced. Why are we surprised that it happened this fast? This is the new age that we're living in. We should expect things to, to move more quickly, right? If it, especially not, not looking at the vaccine, but if you had something else going on in your life, you would say, oh no, this is 2020. Why are we still doing this the slow way, right? So people, so I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to play like the different side of this, you know, so you can kind of see it from a different perspective because people are hating on the fact that it took this quickly, but we're, we're living in 2020. It should take fast. It should be quicker. Another thing, too, as well, is that, like I said, it's a different time period, right? So a lot of people, are, that, that's, that's one thing I kind of want to shatter is that people are saying because it took so fast 
you know that the efficacy may be wrong it may have um you know a lot of side effects side effects are always potential okay any vaccine has side effects the influenza vaccine that you that you had to take last year for your job had side effects okay so there's always going to be a potential risk for side effects period and this is the thing that i've noticed unfortunately is that like america is rebellious i'm sorry <laughs> like we're rebellious like whenever when it comes to this whole covid thing like we don't want to wear masks we don't want to stay home we don't want to social distance oh a vaccine no i'm not getting it like and we're we're wondering why people are dying like yo, why aren't we celebrating why aren't you run, rushing at the opportunity but no you know don't listen to me though i'm just saying i'm just i'm just saying it's like we're very rebellious like we don't we just want to figure it out, but is that working? It's not. Like, let's submit to to the way things are set up. You're not scientists, so let me not keep going. I'm sorry, <laughs> but anyways, though, the point that I'm making is that the timeline should not scare you to get the vaccine. Okay, the timeline should not scare you. The so the process of of a a vaccine coming on the market, the reason why it takes longer. Okay, is because for one, it has to pass through several governments and regulations, right? It has to pass through the FDA, it has to pass through just different the CDC, right? It has to pass through lots of regulations. Um, and so, but because people are, and usually people are not dying at an alarming rate for them to see a need to speed up the, the or to expedite the process, right? So, what usually takes what the, the what contributes to something taking longer is not because of the efficacy of the vaccine itself it's really honestly because of all the regulations that usually takes you know months years but because it's dying at an alarm, alarming rate it expedites the process think about it similar to you getting your um let's say for example you're getting your you go to the dmv to get your license right? So typically, let's say typically you're supposed to wait two hours to get your license. Uh, but however, though, something you, you need it for your job, not the DMV actually does this, but you need it for your job or something, there's some type of emergency. So the DMV will now expedite the process for you. So you get it in 10 minutes versus two hours. Think of it in that regard. If you look at it like that, that will probably change your belief system as far as like, oh my gosh, it must be deadly because it took this fast. No, they still have to go through, they still do the clinical trials, they collect data, they evaluate signs and symptoms, they take a, a population, a group of population of people and evaluate how people responded. They, they still do all the same markers, right? So if you don't actually know the specific data, stop telling people not to get the vaccine. Stop telling people not to get the vaccine. Right? Because honestly, all you're doing is creating fear. Some people, if they don't get the vaccine, they'll die. You don't know that. So, I think I said my, my, my spiel. I, I feel that if you are at risk, you should get the vaccine. If you're generally healthy, don't worry about it. Focus then on, your, on boosting your immune system the natural way. But if you're an at-risk group, like 50 and over pre-existing conditions you you will live in an area that especially if you live in an area um where it's more um con- compartmentalized like meaning that you're especially if you live in an apartment complex you need to get the vaccine 
Because if you live in a 50-unit apartment complex uh, and there's so many families in there and you, you, you don't know how, especially the ventilation system, if it's not really up to code, which you may or may not be aware of, Anybody in that unit could get the could get COVID nineteen, and now you're all exposed when you go to sleep at night and inhale the virus. But because you got the vaccine, your body can can create the create the necessary antibodies. So go get the vaccine. Stop hating on the vaccine. I don't. I'm I'm so tired of hearing people say, "Don't get the vaccine." Are you a doctor? Are you a scientist? No. So stop talking. Okay. Anyways, that's all I have to say. I am for the vaccine if you're an at-risk population. If you're generally healthy, it's all good. Now, I'm going to put a quick plug, shameless plug in here. So if you want to, if you're still like, no, Nurse Trauma, I'm good. I'm never getting the vaccine, whatever. (laughs) Then I want to encourage you then instead to focus on boosting your immune system the natural way then, right? So take your vitamin C, take your, you know, um, get enough rest, drink water, you know, get fluids in, wash your hands. But you got to really boost your immune system, seriously, because people are, there are people that are doing those things and they're still dying, okay? So you really have to, you have to be very disciplined. Uh, if you go to the link that I put in, the, in this episode, bit.ly slash vitamin C now, bit.ly slash vitamin C now, all one word, all lowercase um, letters, you can get yourself a um, an order of vitamin C. Now, this vitamin C that I have is totally different. It's not um, it's not like what you your traditional vitamin C. So, pretty much, what it looks like is that it the this vitamin C that I'm gonna that I'm mentioning the video it contains seven times the normal vitamin C. It comes in an isotonic solution. So what that means is that it works very fast. So if you've ever been to the hospital and you had to get an a IV inserted and they put fluids into you and it moved quickly, it, that's the same speed of absorption that this vitamin C works. So it's seven times the normal vitamin C that you get from, um, what I'm looking for, that you get from orange juice. And on top of that, it not only contains vitamin C, but it also contains vitamin A. So let me see if I have it for Okay, so yeah, so it also contains vitamin A as well. So what that means, so there's some studies that shows that taking vitamin C and taking vitamin A together is very potent. Why? Because the vitamin A actually contributes to binding. Um, so you know what I talk about with the macrophages? Vitamin A helps to bind the virus. There's some studies, don't, I'm not going to say it's a cure, but it's the studies that show that taking vitamin A helps to actually bind the virus um, so that way it can decrease the inflammatory response. And then taking the vitamin C helps to overall boost your immune system so that way, that way it's stronger to fight against any form of infection or illness. So this right here is very potent. Uh, I'll share a quick testimonial. There are times where I would experience, like I would go out, because I had to go out, come home, and all of a sudden I feel like I have a fever. And then I would literally take this vitamin C, and the fever would be gone within 24 hours. That's how powerful this is. We, we ran out like about three times of taking this vitamin C this year because of the pandemic. It comes in 30 servings, and it comes in 90 servings. Really affordable, 15 bucks. To save your life, yeah. Or you can get the, uh, the bigger one, um, which is only about $34, okay, without without shipping handling. 
So if you're interested in getting the vitamin C, click below this this episode to um, to order yours. Um, but that's pretty much it for today. I hope that this episode kind of sheds some light. All right, I really hope this sheds some light as far as like you know taking the um, vaccine. I really hope that you'll reconsider everything about it and don't get so you know um whatever you know (laughs) I don't know the right words for it but you know but just really consider it really consider it if you're at risk right I would I would hate for you to say or for your family to say dang they died I wonder what would have happened if they got the vaccine so that's it Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoy this information. Share this episode with somebody. Thank you so much for sharing. Subscribe to my podcast as well. Definitely appreciate your support. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. All right? Have a wonderful have a wonderful um, rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope that you found um, it entertaining or enlightening or informative. Uh, And then if you want to know more about myself or um, who we are, what is Choosing Nursing, uh, you can always visit our website, which is www.choosingnursing.net or just click below this episode for more details. Um, And you can learn more about us, whether you are a nursing student, you're aspiring nurse, a nursing graduate, um, you're trying to pass your boards or or a working nurse, we have something for you. So visit our website for more information. And then uh, if you want to get my book, which is called How to Become a Registered Nurse, How to Become a Registered Nurse, it's available on Amazon. Um, and you can find it there. You can also see it on our website as well. All right. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.